Pro Wrestling Podcast fans, I am joined by Tommy, Tommy Smith, 1515. 15-15, man, yeah, for TiVo. You know I got to show some love for Tim TiVo. I'm doing good, man. You know, it's it's Thanksgiving. I had a had a really good meal. You know, I was mentioning it to you earlier today. It was I, I've been working out again the past the past few days and kind of all leading up to today. Today is my, my favorite holiday of the year. It's just a... a uh, the eater's paradise is a good way to describe it for a guy who likes food so much. So, yeah, it's been a good day, man. How about you? Yo, Paul Bear was calling you out tonight. I know. Next, you're going to have Teddy Long tell me I'm going one-on-one with The Undertaker. Holla, holla, holla. <laughs> oh, I love it. Honestly, like, I, I, I told you this before. That's, a, that's only the second time I've ever heard your, your Paul Bear impression, and I, I can't lie. That's that's pretty pretty damn good, man. Yeah. I uh, got that one pretty good, and you know, there's there's some Savage, Randy Savage, and oh, that's a fun one. Uh, Hulk Hogan uh, impressions somewhere uh, deep down in uh, my vocals, <laughs> but uh, yeah, man, uh, what a week, what a day. I am full. I've had a, I wouldn't say over eight, but uh, that turkey. I think they just put something in that turkey that just makes <laughs> me want to pass out. I, uh, yeah, man. I, my cousin knows the name of the, uh, what they put in it. I don't even know. But it's, like, uh, it's some drug that makes you coma. instantly want to go home and, and take a nap. That's what it is, <laughs> man. They put it in the turkey before they put it in the oven. Oh man, what a day! What a year! I mean, Thanksgiving is basically the official launch of the Christmas holiday season. We are we're officially in the holidays. I cannot believe it. This year has gone by super fast. Yeah, man, that's crazy. You know, it's 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 weird to think about. Honestly, I I obviously you know when it's Thanksgiving, you know that you know December and Christmas are coming up. But when you actually say it after after you eat Thanksgiving, it's it's kind of weird to think about. Like, man, this year's been been crazy for everybody, you know, just personally, just you know, everything going on in the world, but especially in the in the wrestling world. This world this you know, pandemic has definitely changed things and you know, we saw the uh retirement of uh, well, alleged retirement. You can never know with with him. My favorite wrestler of all time this past Sunday at Survivor Series, 30 years after his debut, The Undertaker. Man, what a what a legendary career. Oh, absolutely. Uh, we're definitely going to uh, talk about him tonight. What a career he's had. And yeah. most of his career, I would say 90% of that 30 years, uh, or, well, actually, no, it's 30 years with WWE, but then you got to take into consideration he was with uh, – WCW, yeah. uh, and maybe one other uh, promotion where he met uh, Percy Pringle, whom we know him as uh, Paul Bear. Yeah. 
Um, so his, his career really spans to maybe about 35 years or so, 34, 35 years. But most of that all in WWE, 30 years. Yeah, Very loyal. Mean, Very loyal to Vince. And it's crazy looking back at it because when you, when you think of – you know, this top wrestlers, Hulk Hogan, your rock, your Cena, they've had a career that they've built off of, you know, they've, they went into acting or they, uh, you know, did other things outside of the wrestling world. Undertaker has been the model of consistency for 30 years in one company. He's changed up his look. He's changed up his wrestling style. And over those 30 years, the, the coolest thing I think is he's constantly put on just fantastic matches. I, I honestly think that you could count on, you know, less than two hands the amount of bad Undertaker matches that there have been. They're all either, you know, enjoyably watchable just because of how much, you know, his character comes off on the screen or amazing because you think of the, the in-ring work and, you know, just everything he's done. And it's, it's incredible to just be able to look back at his career and know how much he's changed the business over his 30 years. Yeah, and his, not to mention his storytelling. Uh, yeah. I, I wouldn't say uh, that the best part of his career was his wrestling, but his storytelling and uh, in the in and out of the ring yeah. uh, is just the, one of the greatest ever. Yeah, he... When you look at some of the, the stories, I mean... Kane debuted in, in 97, I, I want to say Bad Blood 97 at In Your House. They basically had a feud that spanned until around 2010. I think that was their one of their last matches against each other was their final feud there. I mean, that's 13 years of storytelling right there. You bring in different, you know, bring back Paul Barry, bring in... Uh, Oh, man, I, I, it's, it's, it's so much to take in just to think about how much he's done over the last 30 years. You're right. I mean, his storytelling, the section of matches between Hunter and him and Shawn Michaels four years in a row, That's and they told, told a fantastic story. I mean, you just can't get much better than that. Absolutely. Uh, not to mention um, his um, basically year-long feud with Mick Foley stemming from uh, WrestleMania 12 to Survivor Series 96 and then some, and then they kind of fought on and off after that, but that was like the biggest part of their feud. Um, yeah, the many matches um, with Shawn Michaels and Hunter four years in a row, linking uh, those storylines being kind of linked together in a way. Um, and and then you had um, er the early years with the Dead Man. And uh, his, you know, first run was uh, as a heel, uh, teaming with Jake the Snake Roberts, um, feuding with uh, Randy Savage and uh, Miss Elizabeth in '91. Um, there's a lot. '93, uh, his feud was basically uh, consumed by uh, Taker and Giant Gonzalez. Uh, there, um, I'm sorry. Uh, his feud was with um, Giant Gonzalez and then Yokozuna, and yeah. uh, that that program was like about a year long program on and off. Um, so yeah, there's a, a lot to talk about. I mean, I, I have my top ten, but then outside of that, um, I have honorable mentions that probably could make a bid for uh, the top ten as well. Um, but um, yeah, Undertaker's had a, a great career. Um, he's basically. I would say the last superstar. I can't think of any superstar that's there now 
that was there when I first started watching wrestling. I, I can't think of any. I, I think uh, I think that's it. I think Undertaker was the last. Um, maybe you can kind of state a case for Hunter, uh, you know, yeah. with his random WrestleMania appearances. But that's really about it. You know, a yeah. couple wrestlers doing backstage stuff and yeah. what have you. And, and for me, it's the same thing. You know, I think back, I started around 2002, you know, right when Cena and Edge were all getting popular. And really the last, the, it was really just Randy Orton and Taker. And now it's now it's just Randy Orton. So it's it's incredible, man. I, I'm honestly in shock. I was honest, well, actually, I was, I was a little somewhat disappointed with the celebration that they had at Survivor Series. I thought there was going to be more because he deserved more. But that moment, I mean, the picture of him, you know, on on his on his knee doing this. You got the hologram of Paul Bearer in the back. I mean, that was that's Amazing. a that's a that's a photo that needs to be framed if they ever do a Hall of a actual physical WWE Hall of Fame. That needs to be in the first room. Like that needs to be framed. That is just Storytelling at its finest, right there, is that picture. That hologram scene was uh, amazing. I thought maybe, um, since I thought maybe that they would maybe wait till WrestleMania 37 because that would yeah. be the 30 years since his first WrestleMania. Um, and the possibility but, of having fans there, and the possibility of having fans there, but um, I, I guess they they just wanted to get it done thirty years from the debut. That's probably what the plan was um, all along for for quite some time. And um, so, yeah, uh, you're right, Tommy. I mean, uh, Undertaker definitely um, deserved. Um, something better as far as celebration wise and i think he'll get that eventually at the hall of fame oh yeah um but it would have been nice to see him uh go out uh in person and what have you and and it's it's great because i think for me just because i've seen him you know as a kid he i knew he was my favorite wrestler i mean it was me and my brother older brother when we were back into wrestling as kids we wanted to be the brothers of the destruction, you know. We're we're brothers. We got to be just like Kane and Undertaker. And I mean, just watching him grow and constantly be a part of TV. And then when he retired, you're semi-retired and started doing just the WrestleMania matches. I mean, we could make a, a podcast, you know, for a whole day, probably talking just about the entire career of his. I mean, he's just—it's so good to see. I'm I'm glad that he's finally been opening up he's protected his character so much from the outside world and now he's doing all these interviews i'm sure we'll get you know a network documentary at his last day you know or leading up to survivor series and stuff and i'll I'll be really excited about that but man it's it's just it still feels weird to sit here and talk about it man talk about not the possibility the real possibility of never seeing undertaker step foot you know and wrestle in WWE again. It's just crazy. I think you can probably have The Undertaker make a couple cameo appearances for sure, throw a tombstone or choke slam here and there. Yeah, you, I you just... Absolutely, you, can, you, you can absolutely move on without killing a character. Yeah, um, and I think we'll see that. I just mean, because I mean, even if you look at, say, a match like WrestleMania 32, when uh, Austin Foley and Shawn Michaels came out, they all did their moves, but outside of you know, Michaels, none of them featured in a match 
you know, since then. So, yeah, I could see him doing a few, uh, it's, it's almost like WrestleMania isn't WrestleMania without Undertaker. So I'm, I hedge my money on the fact that Undertaker will be there in some capacity, you know, come April, whatever, April 2nd or whatever day it is this year. If there even is a WrestleMania. Now, let me ask you, Tommy, you do you know. think that we'll ever see anybody as iconic as The Undertaker again? Or even another question, it doesn't have to be maybe as iconic as The Undertaker because nobody's really going to have the career like The Undertaker, maybe except for Ric Flair. But do we? Who who's the next iconic superstar that could fill uh, that could um, be in a role of a, a top uh, top a notch uh, spot like like a Rock or an Austin or a Cena or a Hogan or a Taker? Uh, who who's next? Well, I'll, I'll answer your first question. Can there be another Undertaker from that character standpoint? You know, just having that longevity over his career. No, I mean when I look at it. Even those names that you mentioned, Rock, Hogan, Austin, Flair, Cena, Orton, San Martino, you know, they're all in their own eras. It's just like with when you're comparing, you know, quarterbacks or, you know, Michael Jordan and LeBron James. Yes, there's an argument for each, but you also have to look back at how different the eras were. San Martino held the title for eight years, you know, in a row. Cena, you know, has held 16 championships. So when I look at it that way, I think that there can be somebody as popular. You create new stars all the time. They're constantly trying to create new stars. But I don't know if anybody will ever, especially with how demanding wrestling is now, how, I mean, just with all the flips, everything, the move sets are changing. I think that's going to take a toll on a lot of people's bodies. And I just don't see another person having a 30-year career that lasts to the point where they're also almost always in the top five of most important people on the roster every single year. To answer your second question, somebody who I think could possibly be the next mainstream star like Taker, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw a curveball, man. I, I've been thinking about it, and it, maybe it was because you told me to watch this match, but I really want to see Walter have a good WWE run. I love his stuff in the NXT UK. He's got the look. He's got the faction behind him. He can talk on the mic. And he is just brutal in the ring. I, you can put him against anybody, man. He can, he can go. He can do some matches with big guys. He can do matches with the little guys like your Pete Dunns and your Tyler Bates. And he can mix it up with the guys like Ricochet. And Man, that, I, I really do think that, that Walter could be the next big star in WWE to the likes of Undertaker. We have a comment from uh, Christopher Hemingway. How are you, man? Uh, hope you're doing well. Hope you had an awesome Thanksgiving. Um, I think the fiend is today is Undertaker. Well, honestly, I mean, that comes down to booking. Um, and uh, you're right. He, he He's not, not there yet. Yeah. Um, but it, it, it comes down to uh, booking, first of all. First of all. Um, WWE put themselves in a the position of booking themselves into a corner last year where they had where Fiend had to take a, a loss unnecessarily. Um, so uh, it just comes down to the booking and not putting him in positions where he's going to uh, fail. Um, and Was that just last year? 
Yeah, about the Hell in a, a Cell year, match. Yeah, it's we're looking at like a year and a half. Uh, the one, yeah, we're, that was about we're a year ago. They were talking about the one, yeah. the Hell in a Cell match against Seth Rollins. Yeah. Gosh, man, <laughs> that seems like forever ago. Yeah, it was about That's about crazy. a year ago, if I'm not mistaken. That's crazy. Sorry, I, I didn't mean to cut you off there. I just, I didn't even think about that. Yeah. Just how, um, how much stuff has it's, happened it's in, in wrestling? Yeah. But yeah, you, I get, you can't put the Fiend in positions, and also he hasn't been wrestling as much, so that could add longevity. I don't know about a thirty-year career, but it could add longevity to a, a decent run. Yeah, yeah, and I agree with that. My only thing is, how long can you keep the Fiend going? You know, he has been Bray Wyatt, and now he's even Husky Harris, and all three of those are completely different. The Undertaker was still the Undertaker at heart when he was the Ministry of Darkness Taker, when he was, you know, American Badass Taker, when he came back in 04, WrestleMania 20. He's always still the Undertaker, if you know what I'm saying. So, yeah, I would love to see The Fiend. I love his character. I think it's great. I think they finally found something for him to do that people want to watch. But like, like Wayne said... How, how can you make it to where you're not, one, oversaturating the market with the character, but also how can you make it different as time goes by? So I'm looking forward to that. But right now, I love the addition of Alexa Bliss with with him. I think that's a great choice. I think she's done fantastic work. And, I mean, we'll just see. I, I'm looking forward to The Fiend. I think The Fiend's going to capture a title here here very soon probably say wrestlemania yeah and even if he doesn't you could just put him uh, have him in in important feuds meaningful feuds with uh some good storytelling um you know um it doesn't always i think like his character can get over without the title yeah yeah i saw someone mention that instead of having him wrestle in the ring like you can have him do that every once in a while but his big pay-per-view matches, like, they should only have him wrestle at the Big Five. You know, Brumble, Mania, Money in the Bank, SummerSlam, Survivor Series. And they should all be cinematic matches. Like, do something in the Firefly Funhouse. Or, you know, something along those lines. I'd be okay with that. I think that that makes his character that much more appealing. You want, you know, the heart grows fonder when it's when they're apart so if we don't see him until then it's almost like a thing where okay we're getting it's compared to the undertaker okay we're getting to royal rumble taker still hasn't said anything is is he gonna challenge him is someone gonna you know step up and then that's when you build that anticipation and you get to that major match so that that's what i would i think that would be a really good idea is just let the fiend wrestle you know sometimes in the ring but his big matches his big feuds let him be cinematic matches, and let him just have... We obviously know that he's creative, you know, Bray Wyatt's a creative guy, so let him uh, enjoy it. And let him enjoy the character, which is something that he didn't the last... his last few iterations. Absolutely. So, what we're gonna do now is uh, Tommy and I uh, each came up with the top 10. We're gonna go back and forth from number 10 down to number 1. Um... But oh um, we we got some 
uh, pretty good matches. There were also a lot of honorable mentions that I, I left off the list that we uh, we can always revisit afterwards. Um, but um, I mean, there, there's just so many matches and feuds and moments with the Undertakers over 30 years. But I, me personally, picked 10 that kind of stick out the most. Um, so well, that's what we're going to do for you guys. We're going to discuss our top 10 and um, maybe discuss a little bit about each of them. As, um, and then, uh, you know, we'll, we'll come into landing uh, for the close of the show after we talk about our number ones. Uh, but uh, Tommy, would you like to kick us off at number 10? Yeah, man, I will. And <clears throat> honestly, it's even funnier because this was the first ever episode of Monday Night Raw that I ever watched. It was, I gotta scroll up my list here, July 1st, 2002, The Undertaker would, (sighs) The Undertaker would challenge Jeff Hardy in a ladder match on Raw. Man, that's my number 10. I don't know if you remember that match, if you've seen it. Wow, I do. If you haven't seen it. I have seen that. That match for me it was so cool because I, I we had had a, a Nintendo 64 and we had the old like WWF Attitude game. And Jeff Hardy and Matt Hardy were like two of the only guys who could like jump off ladders and stuff. And I was I was like, "Oh, this would look so cool on TV." You know, like I wonder what it actually looks like in TV. The first time I watched it, I, me and my older brother are watching it, and I'm like, did they just say ladder match? And, yeah, that's what it was. I mean, it's The Undertaker and and, and uh, Jeff Hardy in a ladder match. I mean, it made so much better with Jim Ross's uh, call, like, make yourself famous, kid, as he's climbing to the top, and he, he just almost gets there. I mean, this match was, was hard-hitting. You see uh, Taker take the win here, and he gives, uh, he gives Hardy the, you know, Pat on the back at the end there. I, I enjoyed that, man. It's it's hard to find good matches on Raw, especially when you run the risk, like, with gimmick matches of them being, you know, oh, we're going to have a gimmick match and it'll be over in three minutes. This was a good, I don't know the exact time, 10 to 15 minute match between two very different styles that meshed really well and kind of foreshadowed the f- creation of the character of Jeff Hardy that, you know, would win him titles later in the decade. So, yeah, this is number 10. It's one of my favorite matches, not and just on the list. this is the match that people consider that launched Jeff Hardy's career. Yeah, this is, and that's what I was, that's what I was alluding to, is this match really just, he, he made him, you know, he made himself, but Undertaker, when he hits him on, he pats him on the back after this match, and he's like, you got it, you know, that, you can't ask for anything else. Obviously, we know Undertaker is that locker room leader, and when, and, he's, and, when know, he says Undertaker that, gave Jeff Hardy the validation, which I thought yeah, was cool. Yeah. So yeah, man, that that match is. It, maybe it's just the kid in me, and that being also the first match I ever saw, the first episode of Raw I'd ever seen. But that was such a good match. I could watch that match every day, probably. I can't. <sighs> I can't even think of the first Undertaker match I've ever seen. I mean, I could think of the first Undertaker match I've been to, 
But as far as scene, oh my, mine just kind of happens. I feel like might may uh, maybe may have been. Um, I don't know. Unless it was like a raw match in '93 that I can't think of. Um, it, it was probably like. Survivor Series, Foreigners versus the All-Americans. Because Undertaker didn't wrestle that much Yeah, on live TV. It was mostly house shows because um, that was a big thing. And uh, at that time in the uh, early to mid-90s, um, you'd be lucky if you see your favorite uh, superstar um, wrestle on TV. The only t- really time you could really catch them would be on pay-per-view. Yeah. Um, but uh, it, you'd really see Bret Hart uh, be like once every uh Four to six weeks or eight weeks, you'll see Bret Hart or Luger, um, and then um, Undertaker. I feel like I saw him like once every uh, two to three months on TV, live TV. Like yeah. you didn't see your major superstars wrestle on TV. Like they saved that for a house show, pay per view, Saturday night main event, and then once TV started going into two three hours, then you saw your favorite wrestlers a lot more often because they obviously needed them to fill TV time. But my uh, number ten. Uh, a match that sticks out to me uh, is Undertaker versus Undertaker at SummerSlam 94. No way. You've, you've so put that's this on there? I put this on there not because it's a great wrestling match, uh, not because of the it's best not story a great wrestling match. But it is a feud that stuck out to me uh, when I was younger. Um, so um, we were all kids one it, day. Yeah, for those that don't know, um, Undertaker uh, was buried alive. Oh well, no, not buried alive, but uh, put in a casket by ten guys, including Jeff Hart, Adam Bomb. Mabel was probably out there. All those 1994 mid-card goobers, IRS, all <laughs> out there. Bam Bam Bigelow uh, putting his body over the Undertaker's casket. And then they lit up the casket on fire. And then you see Undertaker reemerge through the screen on top of the screen. It was pretty cool how they did it. Um, but you don't see the Undertaker for months after that. In fact, he took time off. I think it was to heal uh, WrestleMania 10. So Undertaker was not at WrestleMania 10. Um, I, I would say right around King of the Ring time, they started a build, uh, where Million Dollar Man was bringing back the, uh, was looking to bring back the Undertaker, which had everybody wondering, like, WTF, what is going on? Uh, bringing back the Undertaker, uh, and everybody was wondering what it was going to be all about. Is he heels? Is he sell out? Uh, does the Undertaker have a price? So that was the build for the '94, and it was a good storytelling build. Not a great match by any means, but it was cool to see Undertaker versus Undertaker. Uh, Undertaker came out with his gray gloves uh, at SummerSlam '94, so people would believe that uh, he was the actual Undertaker. Then the actual Undertaker, Mark Calloway, um, came right back at SummerSlam uh, to challenge him. Uh, slightly different look, purple gloves. So this way you can tell the two Undertakers apart much better. So that uh, yeah, it, so this one was uh, um, not because it was a great wrestling match, but because of the storytelling behind it. I thought it was pretty cool. And as a young kid, I thought I, I was pretty intrigued about it. Yeah, I, when I, <laughs> it's tough for me to, to tough for me to reply to that one because. I can't say that I've seen this match, 
and it's partially because I, I know that it is lacking in quality, but I also know that it's kind of cool that they have Leslie Nielsen, you know, famous from the Airplane movies. Yes! You know, they brought him in, and we're doing some skits, and I think that's hilarious, and it still kind of shows just how much pop culture, you know, sells, especially, you know, the rockin', what was it, the rockin' wrestling, my words are all over the place. Uh, Rock and roll wrestling or something? Yeah, yeah, the connection that they'd used for WrestleMania, the first WrestleMania, Rock and roll connection with MTV, and then now you bring in, you know, Leslie Nielsen, for a major event to tie it in. Then you go to, you know, look in the future. Mike Tyson's promoting a pay-per-view, you know, th- what, four years later? It's It just shows how much of an outreach, you know, sports entertainment has, you know, in the entertainment section. You know, a lot of, I feel like a lot of people think that the actors and the actresses have their own thing, the musicians have their own thing, and the wrestlers have their own thing and it's like they can only stay in their you know in their zones it's like no like actors like wrestling you know actresses and and musicians like wrestling so let's get them involved and make them add them and have them be more a part of the story so what do you got for number nine let me take a quick sig here took my i'm warning people (laughs) <laughs> I took my anxiety medicine, and I'm starting to <laughs> starting to come off as a little loopy, but that's okay. I'll be good. <sighs> got got to take a, a chill second. My number nine. See, for me, I had these all like listed out and with no specific order. So now you're making it uh, hurt on me because I I don't want to come off as like you're, we have a match somewhere, and yours is not where it needs to be. <sighs> I'm going to put. You know, I'm just I'm going to do it. WrestleMania 29. Wow. Okay. As uh, I I panicked there a little bit. This is one of my favorite matches of all time. Not just Undertaker matches. I this is one of my favorite. Matt, if I had to make a list of ten of my favorite matches that I can never leave off, they're pro- the the last one that I did, which I don't even remember what it was. Oh, the Jeff Hardy match. This one, and then one more I take with me on a list of my ten favorite: CM Punk, Undertaker, Paul Bearer had just died in real life. R.I.P. And The Undertaker was in possession of the urn. CM Punk still at the end of his Nexus run. No, he was not in Nexus. No, he um, was he was in the middle of uh, being healed, so he had a face run with the title. And then he turned heel at some point I would say um, uh, sometime between Wrestlemania 28 and 29 he turned heel yeah yeah I I remember okay I remember turned heel again 
That's that's well, my bad. I forgot the story how that led into it, but he turned he, heel again. Yeah, when he turned heel, he got Heyman back on his side. Heyman helps him get the urn, draws out the Undertaker, and they do this really crazy spot, honestly, that a lot of people were not comfortable with. They beat up Taker, and then Punk, like, dishes his hands through ashes and, like, drains him on him, on himself, and, like, it looked bad, man. Like, <laughs> they, talk about getting personal. That was, that was a, a good storytelling right there, and it's, uh, you go into the match, Punk is almost on his way out, you know, he's gets ready to leave in eight or so months, and when you look at the card for WrestleMania 29, we had, um, Brock and Cena 2, this match, and I want to say Triple H and, and Brock Lesnar had a match on that card as well. Oh, we had Jericho versus... Fon Fon Tongo. <laughs> For me, I I just don't know how Taker, especially with what had happened leading up to WrestleMania, I don't know how that isn't you know the the main event. I get that that the second match between Cena and Rock is for the title. It's their two biggest names, but I honestly think if they had moved that match to the main event and put Cena and Rock into like the penultimate main event, I think CM Punk would still be with WWE. I honestly strongly believe that because the one thing he wanted was one main event match at WrestleMania, and he should have gotten it because this match was fantastic. I you will hear me say that a lot. This match was so good. Taker, you know, beating the hell out of out of Punk for all the mind games he tried to play with the ashes and stuff like that, and Punk bringing that just that different kind of offense that he brings. You see the top rope dive. I mean, there's so much I could tell about this match, but. I know we want to get on to the next one because yeah, I haven't ran and, one. But. And, and you know what? They didn't need to have The Rock versus John Cena for the title. Yeah. At, at that WrestleMania, they they could have they could have done a rematch like they did the year before. They could have done a rematch with a regular one on one grudge match. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> one change of the card, and you change it otherwise pretty lackluster pay per view. You know, they they always taught me you want them. To Start good and end good, and everything else in, in the middle can be can be crap. You know, they'll remember the the ending, and if you end it with this match, you know, and Taker standing tall, twenty twenty one and zero, you know, that's a great visual to go into. You know, Monday Night Raw. That's just how I see it, and I just I really do think if that happens, you keep CM Punk. I I don't think he walks away, and I think he gets future, you know, championship opportunities down the line, and, and honestly, maybe we may not ever have an AEW if that changes, because I think once Punk left, the wrestlers start to see, like, we, we can't get control, you know, can't do what we want, so, start our own company. It's true. 
that's me far reaching out there. But yeah, this match again, this is another one of those matches. If you haven't seen it, please go check it out. It is so good. It's so enjoyable. It's it's just a really good match. So my number nine, I got Survivor Series 1991 Undertaker versus Hulk Hogan. So this is when Undertaker first won the uh, WWF title at the time. And um, Hogan wins the belt back, if I'm not mistaken, about two or three days two or three days later at uh, um, was it Tuesday in Texas. Yeah, so it was a Tuesday quick, Tuesday. quick, short run. You lost the title like two, three days later. Um, so that is uh, uh, my uh, number nine. Um, so this was uh, one year. So this would be the uh, Undertaker's um, um, second Survivor Series. And um, uh, Hogan um, did the job. And then we see Ric Flair. I'm not too sure if that was Ric Flair's debut, his first appearance. But we see Ric Flair come involved. He may have had the WCW title on him uh, that particular night. But you see Ric Flair slip the chair uh, in the ring. Undertaker tombstones. Um uh, Hogan onto that chair. Ref doesn't see it. Ric Flair gets rid of the chair, and Undertaker uh, gets the win for uh, the uh, one, two, three. Tommy, uh, so that was um, my number nine. Um, Tommy, you have uh, number eight for us. Oh, yeah. Number eight. I'm going to try and throw in some matches where he's not. It's not just a normal one-on-one. I think, you know, there's been a lot of matches that he's been in that have just been, you know, just legendary. And the one that comes to mind when you think of Undertaker is Hell in a Cell. How can you do the Hell in a Cell even, even more devilish? In Armageddon, Hell in a Cell, Armageddon 2000, six-man... Ooh, Rikishi, that was a good one. Undertaker, Rikishi, Triple H, The Rock, Kurt Angle. Undertaker, Rikishi, Triple H, The Rock. I'm missing one more. Let me see. Uh, it's versus The Rock. Yeah. Um, versus Rikishi because of that, uh, him falling off the cage. Yeah. Uh, versus angle yeah um oh it's a good thing we have google who are the who are the other ones um would have not been taz it could have been austin oh yeah austin was in it was he in it yeah you gotta look this up yeah i'm on it i'm on it all right it is are you ready yeah. Taker, Rock, Austin, Angle, Triple H, Rikishi. Ah, oh, Triple H was in it. I thought he was hurt. I guess that's... That was a good... 
that was generally a pretty good pay per view. I've gone back and watched that pay per view a couple times. Yeah, that was a good main event. Oh, for sure. Probably one of my favorite Hell in the Cells, actually. It, totally forgot about this one. It's what makes me mad, dude. Like, again, this is right when I'm getting into being a fan, and so they almost do. They would. Uh, they. I don't even know. Wait, these before network times. They had yeah. like the WWE 24/7 like channel, like on demand channel, and they would show highlights of you know the matches, and it'd be like, we're gonna give you a quick 15 minute preview of of this match, you know, coming up next, and I'd be watching it, and I'm like, bro, what? Like I need to I need to know the story behind this. Like how is that? What's the story going on? And then I'm just sitting here thinking, like, how has there never been in 20 years a six-man Hell in a Cell match? Like, since. That's incredible that there's never been a match like this. Granted, it is hard to, you know, replicate a match like this with one, two, three, four, five, maybe six. I'm counting as Rikishi's going in. All six of these are first ballot Hall of Famers. You know, Vince McMahon backstage was like, that match sucked. We're never doing that again. I, I what, Whatever. I mean, if he hated I like it, it as a fan. if he hated it, I will, I, I'm going to have to go talk to Vince personally. Because that match just, it, could that be is the, right now. Yeah, I hope it is. Vince, I'm just telling you, to me, I don't want to disrespect you, but to me, that is the epitome of a car crash, and that's what some fans want to see. They want to see bodies being thrown off of the cell. Obviously, it doesn't need to be, you know, on the thumbtacks or stuff like that, like your other company is doing. Now, I'm talking to you, Vince. Put these six people, you know, give me Retribution versus the Hurt Business in a Hell in a Cell match. I will buy every person in my county a subscription <laughs> to WWE Network. Please. I, I love Hell in a Cell matches. I love multi-man gimmick matches. Just give it to me, man. I need another six-man tag or six-man Hell in a Cell match because this it was it. This had everything. Oh, it hit so all good. the Attitude Era beats. You had the moments that are just still talked about with Rikishi being shoved off. You know, that's that's just so cool. And again, the star power in this match. There's stuff going on at the front of the you know on the ramp that they got a camera crew on. Then there's stuff going on, you know, on the on the actual ramp that's going on. People are climbing up on the cage. They got a cameraman following. And then they got people going in the cage. Like, that is just textbook editing, textbook design, textbook match, just in my opinion. This match was just so, so much fun. I highly recommend it if you haven't seen it. I'm going to say that a lot. But it's great. This, I mean, oh, thinking, such thinking a good back, match. that is easily within my top 10 or close to top 5 Hell in a Cell matches for sure. 
Um, my number eight is the WrestleMania uh, 14 version of Undertaker versus Kane. Ooh. Yeah, we saw a pretty good match here. Uh, we see uh, we touched on it earlier how Kane debuted. Paul Bear brought him in. Uh, Storyline being Undertaker's brother, uh, Undertaker um, burned his brother alive. So that was the whole storyline, and Paul Bear finally bringing them back uh, after all these years from when they last saw each other's children. And then we got the WrestleMania 14 match. Uh, two guys, different characters, um, but um, similar moveset um, in the ring. It was pretty cool. I mean, this uh, Kane character took off right after that, and Undertaker was a huge part of that uh, for sure. Um, so that's my... Um, number eight as uh, a memorable uh, Undertaker moment. How about uh, you? I think we're up to number seven for you. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to go with one of the matches that I don't know if it gets a lot of praise. Maybe it's because of the year that was going on with with everything that went on in WWE and the new influx of talent, but 2002 Undertaker, right? As this obviously the brand split happened as well. I like 2002 Undertaker a lot, and my 2000 number my seventh pick comes from 2002 Vengeance 2000 paper 2002, The Undertaker versus The Rock. Versus Kurt Angle in a triple threat. Mm. I mean, it just rolls off your tongue and you can just hear money come. It's just, it's beautiful, man. It's If it weren't for another uh, triple threat between Cena, uh, Rollins, and, and Lesnar in 15... This this would be the greatest triple threat I've ever seen, in Angle, my opinion. Uh, let me see. The Rock and Angle they worked triple threats a bunch of times together yeah. uh, with uh, Triple H in the mix too. So, um, you know, The Rock and Kurt Angle had uh, some chemistry there going into that match. Yeah. Who who went over in that match? Uh, the Rock, I think. Maybe I'm wrong. When, it's been when was Vengeance that? Was that for like a title or? Oh yeah, it was for the title. Let me look it up. I thought it was The Rock, but on it, no. It... <laughs> I didn't see. I see. I I knew which ones I wanted to to height on, but I don't always remember the uh, the ending. It's been a while since I've seen them. Some of them, at least. Was what? Did, who did I say win? Uh, Undertaker, or oh. or uh, win? I think you said The Rock. Oh yeah, The Rock did win. Okay, I was right. Okay, yeah, I was right. Yeah. <laughs> when when was that? Okay, so that had to have been the one pay per view. This had to have been before SummerSlam for sure. Rock would have had the title, I think. Right? Yeah. Yeah, it's... Rock would have had. Did Rock win the title that night, or he defended? At, at Vegas. Yeah, 
and that triple vengeance. threat. Yeah. He, um, Taker was the champion going in. Oh, uh, okay. And then The Rock beat him and Angle. And then okay. that, that would lead to Taker going to, um, was it No Way Out? Oh. Uh, or the one, Taker would be in a, um, feud with Lesnar that would lead to their, or No Mercy, that's what it was. No Mercy was the one where they had the, uh, Hell in a Cell match. Yes, yes, they had, uh, Brock, uh, Taker versus Brock Lesnar later that year. Yeah. The Rock, the Rock was already gone and Lesnar had already beaten, uh, The Rock at SummerSlam. Yeah, so that's how it is. Okay, yeah. Lesnar got, or Lesnar took the title off Rock at SummerSlam and then held it to No Mercy for the match with Taker. Confusion. <laughs> sometimes you you feel prepared and sometimes you just don't. This is weird. Let me see something. Let me say time not Oh wow, I threw in um Okay. So um just to mention um the um Okay, so I doubled up one, but that's fine. Um, I'm gonna before I go into my number seven. I'm gonna also uh, put an honorable mention, uh, piggyback it off of my number eight. Uh, Undertaker versus Kane, WrestleMania 20, when uh, Undertaker got done with his American Badass gimmick, and then I forgot what the storyline there was, but he took a hiatus for a while, um, and then. Um, Undertaker came back as the dead man to face uh, Kane at Madison Square Garden, WrestleMania 20. I was there. Um, my first WrestleMania. Um, so, um, yeah, that was awesome. Uh, the, the the buzz that night was incredible. But um, so, uh, but for my number seven, um, so we got your seven in. Awesome. Uh, my number seven is going to be... Um, the Undertaker um, versus Yokozuna feud, uh, ninety three through uh, ninety four. Um, I'm just typing it in as I go here. So, um, ninety three uh, was the year that uh, Yokozuna had the belt, and he was uh, the top heel star. Um, going into uh, 93 and 94, uh, and maybe a little bit into 95. Uh, 95, he started dropping off. But um, so my my first um, major feud of watching weekly was the Undertaker uh, Yokozuna feud. Uh, he was uh, when I first started getting in. He was in the middle of his feud with Giant Gonzalez, uh, and he's and then after that. Uh, they did the uh, All Americans versus um, the Foreigners at Survivor Series 1993, live from the Boston Garden, and um, Undertaker and Yokozuna, I believe, both got counted out, and Undertaker put uh, Yokozuna's head, uh, or, or sorry, Yokozuna put Undertaker's head uh, onto the steel steps, and Undertaker just pops up, but didn't phase him, and then. Undertaker puts Yoko's head in the steel steps, and that's kind of how they started the feud there, which led to the Royal Rumble 94, where Undertaker, like we talked about before, Undertaker 
uh, was burnt alive in a casket and we didn't see him for months. Um, and then they continued on to the story because there was no closure to that. They continued on to the story. It's a Survivor Series 1994 uh, with a um, casket match. I don't want to say it was the first ever, but it was the first ever one that I watched live. Undertaker versus Yokozuna in a casket match with special uh, ringside enforcer Chuck Norris. <laughs> Chuck Norris handled some business with some people that wanted to interfere once again, like they tried to uh, like they tried to do that night, like they did at Rumble '94. Uh, but Chuck Norris was there to make sure that didn't happen again, and Undertaker got the win there. So that was like a one-year-long uh, 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 build. Um, for when they started that up to that point. And then after that, Yokozuna never got any, he, you know, he, he was featured heavily for another year, but he, he didn't get any title shots or anything like that. After that, you know, he was a uh, tag with uh, Owen Hart, tag team titles and a couple different feuds here and there. Uh, so Yokozuna's career dropped off, uh, not far after that. Um, but, uh, rest in peace, Yokozuna. You're number six. See, I, I'm trying to balance it out to where, because I've noticed a lot of yours are, you know, early 90s, and I, I'm kind of leaning more towards the newer stuff, and I, I, I want to get a good mix of, of stuff, so that's kind of why I went to the 2001. But yeah, you know what? One of my favorites in... I, I almost feel bad not saying this one because it should be on the list because it's just it hel- it maybe not the match itself but the after effect it had Undertaker versus Ric Flair at WrestleMania 18. Mm, I was thinking about that. I think I have him as my uh, honorable mention. I mean, yeah, the match was nothing special, but. When you think of dream matches, if you could, you know, just put from any company, I mean, of course, Taker and Sting, and that's Taker and Goldberg, that's been done. Taker and Flair, man, like, that was never done, and it finally had the chance to happen. If you listen to the stories, Flair says, going into that match, like, I can't work with Taker, like... I don't, I, there's no way, like, Taker's gonna, like, make me look bad, and Taker wanted, wanted to just be like, dude, like, you're the Nate, like, you're gonna be okay, put on a a really good match on a great stage at WrestleMania, one of my favorite pay-per-views of all time, and if you look at, there's other, some backstage interviews and uh, documentaries and stuff, and he said, that match reminded me why I still love wrestling. You know, that match reminded me that I do have confidence. And and that's just so cool, man. Like, it, to be able to... He, he extended Ric Flair's career. And he, Ric Flair, what? That was 2002. We got some yes. pretty good Ric Flair matches for the next six years. Six he was years. In, he was in Evolution, one of the best factions of all time. You know, he had some some here so gimmick matches like cage matches and stuff like that. He, I mean, the matches with Sean, like, come on, or the match. I mean, at WrestleMania twenty four. Yeah. So for the, my reasoning for that one is it's not much 
of me picking who it was, you know, it, that was a great match. It's just the effect that it, that match had on wrestling. Given, giving Flair a chance to continue his career, which continues to give younger kids who need that rub of beating a guy like a Flair or just even being around him giving them giving them that rub so it's it's a, in a long diagram chart there's there's a lot of, of positive effects that came out of out of this one and it was a good match it was a really good match too yes Ric Flair bled like you did in every single match and it was good storytelling too there some good decent false finishes I mean obviously we knew that uh, Flair wasn't going to be the guy but um, to beat him. But uh, my number six, I got Undertaker versus Bret Hart at SummerSlam 97. So this was at a time where Shawn Michaels was in the middle of his heel turn. Uh, that that, that storyline was going on. Um, and then we see... Um, this is for the title. Undertaker was uh, had won the belt at WrestleMania 13 against Sid. And um, we, we go on to SummerSlam. Undertaker drops the title to Bret Hart, which Shawn Michaels interfering, uh, causing uh, Bret Hart the title. So at this point, Bret Hart was kind of working as the tweener face. Uh, Undertaker was there defending his title. As Shawn Michaels hit uh, uh, Taker with the chair, Bret Hart got the win. Um, and then also an honorable mention to that was there uh, the first one I can remember is Undertaker versus Bret Hart, uh, Royal Rumble '96 too. So those are the first, uh, the only two times I really saw Undertaker and Bret Hart in the ring um, uh, back uh, when I was uh, younger. Um, and um, yeah, so uh, and that and then at the same time you had Shawn Michaels uh, in the process of tagging with Triple H, heading to DX. Um, and uh, there was a, a lot of like different layers to that storyline going on. Um, what's, but uh, this one kind of sticks out to me as uh, a big main event. Uh, Tommy, number five. <sighs> number five. You know, man, I'm going to do a match that just, that just really doesn't give a lot of... Doesn't get a lot of... Uh, Screen time when it comes to you know being up there at the top of WrestleMania matches. His match at WrestleMania 23 with Batista. Mm. I mean that was just two giant dudes just beating the hell out of each other for 30 minutes, and it, it honestly I think that was the first time I ever sat there and was and watched and said. He, he really could do it. Like, somebody could really, you know, pull it off. When you get into, like, the past few years, it's like, oh, he's in a casket match. Undertaker's not losing in a casket match at WrestleMania. You know, that's not going to happen. But when you get him against a guy who stands the same height, you know, is just as strong as him, and if not more, you get a 30-minute match for the title, to main event, I mean that. It was such a good, such a good match. I strongly recommend not only watching this one 
watch their whole feud because Batista and Undertaker's feud in 2006, 2007 is just it's it's really good. SmackDown had a lot of uh, good storyline development. Yeah, I was there. I was there that night, WrestleMania 23. That was my second uh, WrestleMania um, that I'm I jealous. had uh, ever won to. Um, you know, I mean, it wasn't really a great WrestleMania to talk about. It did have its good moments with Undertaker, Batista, Cena, Michaels. Um, but the the undercard yeah. wasn't that great yeah. by any means. The ladder match, the ladder match, was just what I was going tonight. for. Yeah. But um, other than that, the the mid card was not that good at all. Yeah. Um, moving on, Undertaker uh, number five. I'm gonna have to go Undertaker versus Stone Cold Steve Austin at SummerSlam '98. This was the uh, considered uh, this uh, pay per view one of my favorites, and I'm probably going to go back and watch it. Actually, come to think of it, um, <laughs> do but... a watch along right after. <laughs> <laughs> um, so there was a lot of intensity in this match. These guys were um, both working as a face. Um, it hadn't been done a little while where face was going against a face as a main event. Probably the first time since Shawn Michaels, Bret Hart, two years before that WrestleMania. But um, the intensity in this match, like they uh, they had me believing that Undertaker was taking a title off of Stone Cold Steve Austin that night at the Garden. Very hard fought uh, match. Very intense. Um, like the storytelling with the storytelling that they did for that match is basically. Um, Stone Cold Steve Austin escaping that night with the title just by through the skin of his teeth, but he got the win um, that night, and um, that was a uh, one of my favorite Undertaker matches, and quite frankly, one of my favorite Stone Cold matches too. Uh, Stone Cold was um, you know approaching his peak of his uh, career; he was getting there for sure. He was already well popular at that time. But um, Tommy, number four, yeah, man. Again, I still feel like uh, I guess it's a good balance because you're going for more. Oh, we're the, getting there. We're getting there, and yeah. I have a feeling we're going to end up at the same spot when this is all over. Yeah, I know. I'm I'm glad that you're able to highlight the early stuff because yeah. I'm not the biggest fan of like you know when his like early '90s wrestling. I didn't. I'm not a big fan until probably the Attitude Era, but I grew up with all the middle stuff, so. I can carry that, and then we can meet up at the end. But, yeah, no, um, I think of matches that I was, as a kid, excited for. You know, I was, my family definitely was divided. We would get a Raw magazine and a SmackDown magazine. Oh, and wow. so I used to always get Raw, um, I used to always get SmackDown because of Cena and then they did the Raw draft and he got to Raw 2004 <laughs> exactly and so I he went what to 2005 uh 05 yeah 05 so I changed on in that and I would be a, a Raw fan and my older brother would get the Smackdown magazines and he'd be like you know, if I'd missed the show, he'd be like, oh, you know, Undertaker and, and Kurt Angle, they're going at it. And Kurt Angle was one of his favorites. And I was like, they'll, 
they'll just do it for WrestleMania, like, that'll be great and all. And they didn't. And it made me mad. But, they did do it at No Way Out 2006. Kurt Angle versus The Undertaker. <sighs> Knowing what these two were in going into WrestleMania 22, it should have been, this should have been the headliner because Angle would go into the Randy Orton uh, Mysterio feud and in, in fight Yep. at WrestleMania. And Taker would fight Mark Henry in a in a casket match. Was that that was a casket match, right? Of yeah. those three, which one sounds like a better you uh, know, t- main Taker event? Taker Angle, yeah, yeah. I I love I do love WrestleMania twenty two was a great mania though. It was, but I could have been. They could have done the same thing with Ray and and just have Randy Orton. And that still could have told the story, still could have been good, you still could have got the title off Angle. And then you have Angle and Taker as your headliner. I mean, in in seeing what they did in this match, it just makes it, it's like salivating almost. It's like, how? How did this match not main event? You, sh- you should go and watch this match. It's, a, I want to say, around 30, 35 minutes of Two just in-ring vets, <laughs> I mean, just going at it. And it shows. They, they know each other's moves. They know counters to each other's counters. Every big spot is there. It's just, this is one of the really enjoyable matches that, if it were, if I were to ever write a book about, like, the top 50 matches that you must see before you die, this be on there. This is just such a good match that if it had gotten a chance to be at WrestleMania, I think we'd be talking about even in a higher regard. I'm pretty sure I've seen the match. I I, I don't remember. I'm gonna have to check that out now. For you sure. you gotta rewatch it. I I actually just rewatched it before, and it's probably the the tenth time I've seen it, and I'm still not disappointed. Okay, my number four. Um, let's see what I got here. Um, I have the Undertaker Triple H feud, but WrestleMania 27 and WrestleMania 28. Ah, taking two whole matches there. Damn it. (laughs) Um, hopefully that's not a spoil alert for, uh, Tommy's picks. Um, but I particularly liked, um, well, the storytelling going from, uh, 27 to 28, but I really liked the, um, WrestleMania, um, 27 match that they did. Um, because I think what really did it was the teased finish. It was just so, first off, the whole the, the build to the match, you see Undertaker come to the ring uh, when Triple H first challenges uh, uh, Undertaker. You see Undertaker come to the ring looking at Triple H, and then they both look at the WrestleMania sign, and without even talking, without even saying a word, you knew that Undertaker accepted Triple H's challenge to get into that ring uh, at um, WrestleMania. And it was just amazing. And then um, tr- with the Undertaker uh, having the um, 
um, submission uh, move. I forget the name of it, but he had his uh, submission move that he was doing quite often. Uh, Hell's Gate. Hell's Gate. Hell's Gate. Yeah. And you see Triple H fading, fighting, and then you see him like come alive for a couple moments, reaching for the the, uh, sledgehammer. And you see uh, Triple H fading and teasing uh, a possible comeback, and then he fades right before he can uh, and, and, and taps out. Um, it's just the way they did that finish was just amazing. I was there for it, Atlanta, Georgia. Um, one of one of my favorite one of my favorite Undertaker matches that I've been to uh, for sure. So that is uh, my number four. Um, Tommy, what do you got for number three? Yeah, man. I'm trying to think of which ones, which one you. So you said 27 more than 28, right? Yes. Okay. Well, then let's just you know my number three. We'll I'll find a way. Yeah, let's do 28 for me. What did you like about uh, 28? WrestleMania 28 was the first pay per view. That my parents don't know about. That I bought. I was still... You know, gosh, that was 2012. (laughs) That was the first time I'd ever bought a pay-per-view. And it was so cool, man. First time I'd ever seen one live. Like, seen a WrestleMania live or anything before the, the network and stuff. And just that moment alone, I was like, you know what? I was in the... I was at the eight... I'm gonna teeter here for a second i was at the age where it's like wrestling is was frowned upon you know you had your small cliques of people who liked wrestling and i was like watching it i was like no dude like this is so cool like i'm enjoying the hell out of this and you know i embraced it and and it helped me find my love for 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 pro wrestling and you know lead me to this and lead me to working with back sports page and stuff but this match man from Metallica playing the yes. uh, playing the cell down and even pre- playing the match promo. Taker reveals he shaved his head, you know, because of all the days that he didn't have to leave, or all the days that he was on a stretcher. There had to be. I got. I'm got it mixed up. He had to be carried out. Undertaker. Uh, Triple H walked on his own power. And for every day that... Something like that. I'm trying to remember the whole story. Undertaker just shaved his head and it made it look good. And more more menacing. And, I mean, they just... They beat the shit out of each other. I apologize for... I don't really have a sensor button. But, yeah, they, they really beat the hell out of each other. It was impressive the amount of, you know, different spots that they could do, that they went for. You know, a lot of times you see in a health cell match, now it's just how how can we get to the outside, you know, and do something out there. This match took place in the hell in a cell. You know, they, they didn't leave. They were using storytelling and emotion and the weapons that they had in reach to get to tell a 55 minute story and you know the the moment where super kicks him into a pedigree and 
Michaels goes for the count, one, two, he doesn't get it, and he just backs into a corner, and Michaels is just, like, crying. He's like, I just, what did I just do? You know, it's, people don't understand that wrestling is, is a show, sport. You know, you gotta be athletic, you gotta be able to do what you can do in the ring, but it's all about the mannerisms too. It's about how you condone yourself in the ring, you know. Guy like Riddle comes in when he makes his entrance. You know, he's swagging off. He's got cool, man. Like he's the epitome of cool in the WWE. And like for Taker, for somebody to finally almost get Taker, you know, two finishers of the two of the most protected finishers of all time, and he still kicks out. And their reaction just like Dude, what this guy is, you know, this guy can never be killed. That's that's just perfect to me because they're reaching an audience that is there that is young and is saying this guy can't be, really be killed. Like, what's going on here? And so I I don't know. Great match overall. The storytelling is is fantastic. It's and that match was uh, considered the end of an era. Yeah, the end. Of, Sad, well, until they got the Saudi deal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, but yeah, it's uh, I, I'm all for, and maybe it's just because I've been watching so much wrestling now. You know, I love to watch how people react in the ring, and how, you know, they react to the fans, and it's like you can see if if stuff like oh the fans are cheering this part, well maybe we should change it up in the ring or something. Or, vice versa, you could tell that everybody was just so, almost everybody was ready for it being the end of the era for that match to be the end of the streak too. And when Undertaker kept it alive, it's just, it just makes it that much cooler, you know? It's like, who, is there any being who can beat Brock Lesnar, the Undertaker? Obviously, you'd find out it'd be Lesnar, but yeah, man, it's that match holds a special place to my heart. You know, it's just something that I could sit down and watch all the time and and thoroughly enjoy. And that that's a great pick. I mean, that that's another one I was at um, to, in Miami. <sighs> Getting out of that parking lot was annoying. Man, you guys, you guys are taking me to these. As soon as they start allowing people in the arena. I, I had a I had a huge run as a 20, 23 really kicked it off, but went from twenty to twenty three. Um, so twenty three, twenty four, skipped twenty five, and then went twenty six, twenty seven, twenty eight, twenty nine, thirty, thirty one. No, I, I skipped thirty one because I was doing a baseball trip out in California. Oh, you uh, missed a good I one. I know I missed a good one because then thirty two in Dallas. Nah, wasn't so great. And then 33. I, I skipped 34 because so I was like, ah, screw this. I bet in New Orleans already. New Orleans sucks. Uh, and then back at 35. Um, but uh, it, skip 31. Yeah. 31 yeah, is, I know. 31 is I know. like top three for me. Yeah, it, it's, it, it, it's arguably a top three WrestleMania for sure. Um, number three, Undertaker versus Mankind. SummerSlam 96, uh, Undertaker basically helped make the Mankind character uh, is what it was and vice versa. Um, they had their Boiler Room brawl, 
in yeah. 96. Um, Mankind debuts on Monday Night Raw, as we know, McFoley debuts the night after uh, WrestleMania 12, attacks The Undertaker with the Mandible Claw, and then Mankind, for months, going on uh, a series of giving everybody uh, in this path the Mandible Claw, making people foam out of their mouth. Um, but uh, yeah, so we see uh, Mankind and Taker feud. They had s- some barn burner of a match, the Boiler Room Brawl, and then uh, leading to the uh, match, the Survivor Series 96, in which I was at. That was another barn burner with uh, Executioner trying to get involved. That didn't work out. Uh, Paul Bearer, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, was hanging above the ring uh, as he was locked in a mini cage. Um, so uh, we saw Undertaker and Mick Foley has uh, had basically a year-long feud, and they they wrestled on and off after that. But '96 was their year. That was that uh, their feud that really helped kick off the Attitude Era, and uh, they really kind of helped launch each other either even further in their careers, and especially the Mankind character for sure. That really really helped um, Undertaker really helped launch the Mankind character. Um, so uh, that's my number three. We are winding down. Um, Tommy, number two. This is going to get very interesting now. Yeah, I, I want to do something that's out of the box. You know, I feel I feel like we all know like what's going to be number one. I mean, there's. I'll do it now. Oh, do you have a different choice? Could. You know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna spice up something here. I'm gonna do. Mine's not even really a match. It kind of is. Gonna do Royal Rumble from. 2007 the Royal Rumble match at the very end was that when Taker and Michaels ended in the ring for 15 minutes that match that's a good one I said I wanted to go out of the box that is a good one but for them to have been in the ring for and I mean it even had that had storyline progression into the next year because they were the first two men out for the 08, you know, Royal Rumble. I I, I don't know. I was, I wanted to think of something that's different, and I want to think of something that <laughs> no, can still give me good. That, that's really good because we hadn't seen Undertaker and Michaels not even close cross paths for such a long time. Yeah. Um. They they had. They had a cross path since '98, so this was like a different dynamic of a Shawn yeah. Michaels who's and different back of the Undertaker. So this was Shawn Michaels is uh, still one of the top superstars, and Undertaker was the top superstar yeah. there. So this was like fantasy booking right there, right in front of you. Something we hadn't seen in a long time. It was fresh. Um, yeah, that's actually a really that was a great moment for the Undertaker. Yeah, and the way I look at it is, you know, you get down to your last four, your last two, you know, you can decide, okay, this is, you could probably make a pinpoint of, oh, this point's person's going to go out and then the match will be over in five minutes. 
And then when it got to two, you're like, okay, who, who's going to win here, you know? And the fact that most final twos in Royal Rumbles last maybe a minute, two minutes tops, two and 30, this match lasted like an extra 12 minutes of just them, again, beating the hell out of each other. You know, and, and it had stakes. You're going to WrestleMania, you know. This is the biggest, <laughs> the granddaddy of them all, as they say. Like, to put them in that pressure, I mean, not that they did, needed any pressure to perform, but to put them in that pressure on such a huge night and for them to deliver that much storytelling in that small of a match... It's it's incredible, and I know it doesn't get talked about enough because it's not officially a match. But yeah, that the last fifteen minutes of the Royal Rumble match, where it's just Taker and Michaels, go go back and watch it. I mean, honestly, the 07 Royal Rumble is great to begin with, but pay attention to those last fifteen minutes because they are they are fantastic. We are down to our last two. That was Tommy's number two, Royal Rumble 2007. My number two, here we go. Undertaker versus Shawn Michaels, WrestleMania 26. In my opinion, the better match than 25. 25 was a very good one, though. But they had their match the year before, 26. Uh, there was a little bit more on the line because Shawn Michaels was trying to get that match with Taker. And if I'm not mistaken, Taker didn't want to do it at first. Shawn Michaels got that match. Um, and at the same time, putting his career on the line. Um, uh, there were f- some false finishes where I think Shawn Michaels no-sold a tombstone or something. He no-sold one of Undertaker's big big moves. And... Um, and then Undertaker delivered another tombstone and won it. Uh, but um, the false finish here, the storytelling here was great. It was Shawn Michaels' last match. The funny thing is, after WrestleMania 26, um, we went to Raw the next night. In, uh, and that was in Phoenix. Um, saw uh, Shawn Michaels' retirement and what have you. <clears throat> the next day, leaving from Arizona to New York, we see Shawn Michaels in an airport. Um, I'm at the, I'm ahead of the guys. So I see Shawn Michaels already grabbing his stuff at the end of the belt. And I, it was my turn to get my stuff at the end of the belt. I see Shawn Michaels. So I had to go there anyway. So I said hello to him and, uh, you know, awesome job at, uh, you know, WrestleMania against the undertaker. I I loved it. I I had 10 seconds to say what I had to say. (laughs) 10 seconds. Cause he was with his kids. Funny thing is, Undertaker, uh, Michaels wouldn't talk to the friends that I was with. <laughs> totally blew them off because like, he was just kind of didn't want to be bothered yeah, and yeah. focused. And then another funny story attached to that is uh, my friend goes into the bathroom and uh, Michaels is in there, I guess, in one of the stalls. My friend's going to the bathroom and here's Michaels talking to whomever with Michaels saying that he's going in the Hall of Fame next year uh, regarding WrestleMania 27. Um, so I thought that was pretty funny. And we found out first about Michael's going to the Hall of Fame because my friend heard the conversation with Michael's talking on the phone, uh, in the bathroom. 
So um, I thought it was pretty cool. But yeah, getting back to um, Undertaker versus Shawn Michaels, uh, one of my this could very well be my favorite Shawn uh, Undertaker's match uh, that I was at. Um, as far as um, storytelling, it's it's right there near the top. Obviously, it's number two on my list. Um, great match uh, between the two of them. Their their chemistry was phenomenal. This is their second uh, match in a row. So you kind of had to believe that maybe Shawn Michaels would probably get that win back. Um, but uh, that wasn't the case. Uh, Shawn Michaels called it a career. He wrestled one more match again in Saudi Arabia, as you mentioned before, Tommy. But, um, yeah, I know. They, they should have not done that. Ooh. They should have not done that. But um, it's not the lasting impression I want to get. But, um, yeah, uh, take a risk, Shawn Michaels. WrestleMania 26, 2010 was awesome. Decent WrestleMania all around. Uh, but that was one of the major headlining matches. So before we get to our number one uh, um, for uh, the night, before we uh, close it out, uh, make sure you guys are subscribed to the Deep Six Pro Wrestling Podcast. For those of you guys that have come across this and are watching, make sure you subscribe. Hit the subscribe button. It takes two seconds. Share with your friends. Uh, we had somebody comment earlier, uh, which is awesome. Thank you, Christopher, for being involved in our show. And, uh, you know, we'll shout you guys out when you guys are watching, commenting. This is your show. We want you guys to be involved. Uh, but, yes, make sure you follow the Deep Six Pro Wrestling Podcast. Subscribe now on YouTube. Uh, we're available on Twitter. Make sure you subscribe to us on Twitter, too. Follow us. This way you get all the uh, the news of what we're doing. Uh, and then um, we're on iTunes, Google Podcasts, and Spotify and more. Um, so here we go. This is the big moment um, that you guys have been waiting for. Um the number one on each of our top ten lists of Undertaker <laughs> matches or moments. Here we go. Drum roll, please. Oh, do I go first? <laughs> yeah. On you, man. You know, I'll just preface it with this. When I watch this match, I told myself that that might have been the greatest match I've ever seen. <laughs> and then I rewatched it again, and I thought, that might be the greatest match I've ever seen. And I did it again drunkenly, and I thought, that might be the greatest match I've ever seen. And to this day, there's still nothing that's past that. The Boneyard match at WrestleMania this past year yeah. was, was just as a fan because I loved the American Badass. I mean, I loved the American Badass when he came out. I loved his music with Limp Biscuit. I know that's really controversial. Wow. But man... I look at it from the way of this was the first time that the WWE was really going to be doing a cinematic match 
and it's between AJ Styles, who is one of their best wrestlers in the company, and Undertaker, who is the best wrestler in the company, a veteran, and you're going to have them do a match like that in front of no fans. You're going to have a personal match like that be done in front of no fans. How can we make that more personal and make it, you know, matter? And so that's where they came up with the Boneyard match. And for me, man, just just watching the match unfold, it literally, my, my dad quoted it best. This is like an 80s action movie in, in 15 minutes, because it is. It really is just... You know, the hero is coming in. He's going to get blindsided attacked. There's by, you know, the druids surround him. Carl and get out. Carl Anderson and Gallows, you know, take him down. And then I, it just has, you know, he's like, oh, you, you think you did it? You know, he's like, you're, nobody's been giving me that fight. You know, you did good, AJ. Pushes him into the hole and. The moment where he's on the tractor and Undertaker's in the hole and then it pans up and he's trying to start it and Taker's just standing in the back there looking at him and the light's on in the back. That, man, and maybe it's because I took some, like, film school stuff in college and all that. I just, I love the storyline. I love that it went personal, like, extremely personal, like, bringing up the wives and their real names and stuff. I just love that they let Undertaker have fun in his final match because you can tell when he's driving away and they got the Undertaker like T symbol, you know, being drawn in the back. That was a good he's, visual. He's got he's on his bike and he lifts a hand up. Like for me as a fan, I remember when I watched it, I said, and I I pardon my French, I said that was the coolest fucking thing I've ever seen. Like, I enjoyed it so much. And every time I rewatch it, I just, I, I enjoy it. So, I know it's not the best technical masterpiece. I know if I'm looking at, it was good you good storytelling, know. though. And yeah. it was Undertaker's last match. Yeah, I think maybe that has it, too. But, obviously, I know, you know, Mania 25 is fantastic. And I left off a lot more. I think... You know, I, I don't even think I mentioned Mania or Lesnar and and him in the cell back in 02. But I mean, that's just this match just reminded me why I love professional wrestling because it's so stupid and so stupid and so corny, but so cool in the same vein that like. This dead man character. It's, you know. Yeah, yeah, you know what? They, WWE gave us something good to talk about during the middle, in the middle of a COVID era. Yeah, and that's the thing. It, they gave it, us something good. It, it's something to put your mind off of, of everything going on. And I think that's what it was is us wrestling fans were, were sitting there like, oh, what the hell is this going to be? And, and the non fans, they're like, oh, well, wrestling's on. I don't know what's going on. And they turn that on and they're like, Yo, this is kind of cool, you know? This this looks interesting. So, I don't know. I, I feel like this match is is going to be remembered very fondly in the year, for years to come because it's just... This is the 
start almost of the pandemic. I I guess around here was right when the pandemic right started, the point, and, yeah. And and this is, you know, the high water mark for it. I mean, there yeah. there's been some really good matches since everything started, and I think this is one of them. I think it's it it shows. Uh, I'm trying not to do too long an explanation, but it's from when he first debuted the matches that he had where he's, you know, getting in barely any offense and he's uh, just, you know, beating him basically by his in- intimidation to 30 years later and he's the old country boy, you know, beaten down, but he's still got a few fights left in him and he's going to fight until, you know, he's got to go in, go in his grave. I mean... That that I know that I don't know if that's where they're going for, but that is perfect f- storytelling over thirty years. I mean, he changed completely from that aspect, and I I respect the hell out of WWE for coming up with that story. I respect the hell out of Mark Calloway and AJ Styles for c- coming up with that match and executing in it the way. And yeah, this is this is my favorite Undertaker match, and it's something. That uh, if that it truly is his last, I I couldn't have thought of a better ending than to have him ride off into the sunset. This, this looks like that's going to be his last for sure. Uh, it was weird because during the match, when you uh, at the end of the match, you see AJ's hand uh, lifted out of the grave, the dirt. Uh, you saw that visual. I mean, that spot right there kind of. Gave me the impression like maybe WWE was leaving uh, an open window for one more match with Taker and AJ for uh, Undertaker's 30th WrestleMania, which would be um, WrestleMania 37. Yeah, yeah. Well, in actuality, really his 27th WrestleMania. Yeah. Because Undertaker missed a couple, but 30 years later. Um, they teased it. Be- well, they teased it at Money in the Bank, too. Yeah. When he opened up the door and it was like all Undertaker stuff. But the way they uh, ended Survivor Series, um, I, I don't think they go in any other direction. Yeah. I think they're leaving that as is from there. So, Which is well deserved. Yeah. Number one. Number one. You guys ready for this? Oh, I'm ready. This is going to be controversial. More controversial than mine? WrestleMania 9, Undertaker versus Giant Gonzalez. <laughs> no, I'm just, I, I see the look on your face. <laughs> Folks, if you're listening to this, you should be subscribed to our YouTube because the look on Tommy's face right now is priceless. It is not WrestleMania 9. It's not Giant Gonzalez. Hell no. Actually, that in fact might be one of Undertaker's worst matches, uh, believe it or not, Undertaker. But um, it's the obvious, the biggest thing that probably happened in Undertaker's career. Uh, my number one is... Hold on. Undertaker versus Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania 30 in New Orleans. I was there for this. And it was weird. I had a weird feeling, but I couldn't put my finger on it. It was just a, a weird day. Um, 
we had uh, we had weird seats. I was so frustrated about my seats. Like I, I could I, I had a nice direct um, view of the ring and everything that was going on, but I couldn't see the whole top half of the entrance. Yeah, cut off because I was under an overhang. Um, so I was a little frustrated. Uh, walking into that stadium was ridiculous. The, the aisles were like school, extended school hallways. <laughs> uh, a very, very small stadium, and you got all, thousands of people rushing in. Yeah. Uh, I didn't even uh, have time to get my food or go to the bathroom. In fact, when I did sit down, I didn't even want to go get food and go to the bathroom because <laughs> I was afraid I, it was taking forever. It took us 45 minutes to get to our seats from the moment we walked into the stadium. To, to get into uh, to get to the seat, it was ridiculous. Yeah, but crazy. I had a very good visual of what was going on between Undertaker and Lesnar, and I'm watching, uh, and then all of a sudden I hear the mat hit three. Like I hear I hear the ref. I'm like, wait a minute, what? Like I, I was just. I was paying attention, but I wasn't like I, I, I was seeing what was going on, but I didn't think anything was going to happen there. See, Lesnar put Undertaker in the F five, um, and then the the referee hit hit the uh, three, um, and uh, I was like, I was one of the fans, like, what the hell just happened here? Like, oh, I I, just, I looked at my buddy and. Um, the arena was stadium was so quiet. You heard everybody yell, "Whoa!" Like, like, kind of that, like, in shock. And it, it was quiet. Uh, yeah. I couldn't believe how quiet it was. I never uh, experienced such a thing in my life. Paul Heyman was in shock. You, you <laughs> see him looking on, um, and then you see twenty one and one show up on the uh, on the Titan Tron and on the screen. Um, like we just couldn't believe what was going on. So let me tell you, this was so big that I had people that didn't even don't don't even watch wrestling or watch WrestleMania texting me about it. It was on the radio. Yeah, same. I heard it on the radio the next day. Uh-huh. The, with the they were talking about the Undertaker streak. Did, like this did. thing was huge. And that's big. the thing is. Uh, before ESPN was with WWE, I think they started their partnership in 2015. So the next year, I was sitting in a group of people. I was at church, small group, and I had told my mom because it was it was the day of my birthday. Was that WrestleMania? And it was the day you know that the network was coming out. Yes. Oh my God. And I said, Mom, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be gone. I'm, you know, can you get me the network? And she was like, Yeah, I'll get it for you. Don't worry. Of course, she didn't get the network for me. And I'm sitting there, and I turned off all my notifications on the WWE app, Bleacher Report, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and I get an ESPN update. They weren't even an affiliation with WWE yet that said MMA star Brock Lesnar defeats the Undertaker streak. And I literally got up and threw my phone. <laughs> it, sh- it shattered a little bit. And I went home. I was like, I'm sorry, guys. I'm going home. Like, that was going to be the first pay-per-view I'd ever seen live 
like not had to pay for or anything like in the in the biggest moment and i missed it and so it's oh my gosh why that's while horrible. that's while that's your number one for that reason i hate that match because i missed it and it's so hard to watch it you know not live knowing how if i turned it on right now i i don't know if i could get through it because it just like it doesn't have the same effect on me and it's just such a monstrous you know major event that happened that i had a chance to see and i didn't it, you know it's just weird but yeah, I understand the, the it number was one ranking now. Crazy, crazy night that night. It, it it shocked shocked the world. It was the most talked about thing the next day at the water cooler. Yeah. Oh man. Uh wow. I mean I, I knew I knew we saw something um special that night and um but yeah, that that was in uh, New Orleans. Um uh, yeah, not, I, we'd be here all night talking about um, what we experienced um, yeah. over there in uh, New Orleans. But, um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, I have um, a couple honorable mentions, some of which made your list. Um, uh, Undertaker versus Jimmy Snooker, WrestleMania 7, Undertaker's first uh, WrestleMania. Uh, and there's so much that... Um, you know, we didn't um, we didn't cover because Undertaker had such a, a long career. I mean, I, I didn't really cover anything in the, uh, his American Badass years. So maybe other than it's Undertaker six. Lesnar in two thousand two, uh, yeah. there wasn't anything really that's sticking out uh, as yeah, far which, as the era goes. He was kind of in and out, which stinks because American Badass was my favorite. Yeah, um, uh, Undertaker debuted uh, debut in Survivor Series 1990 with Million Dollar bringing them in. Um, and then uh, Undertaker vs. Batista WrestleMania 23 was a good one that was on your list. And um, the Undertaker versus King Mabel feud was uh, pretty cool as far as the storytelling goes in 95 uh, with, um, I, I believe it was uh, Mabel, um, Yokozuna, and either Owen Hart or British Bulldog versus Diesel, Shawn Michaels, and Undertaker. And uh, Mabel and Yokozuna crushed the Undertaker's face. Diesel and oh, Shawn Michaels. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Diesel and Shawn Michaels are beaten up. Uh, that was a, a, almost a one-hour match. Um, and uh, Undertaker came back with the mask, the special mask on, and they, they wanted the fans to believe that uh, his face was crushed by Mabel, and then they had that feud. Um going into uh survivor series 95 i believe when undertaker came back but um anyhow well um we covered a lot it didn't seem like even it, though man. we covered a lot there's so much more to cover I with know, undertaker's man. career we, Unbelievable. Need to, we should do a uh maybe something we should do is an undertaker watch along one of those undertaker compilations on the network watch along go with it absolutely uh listen i i'm, I'm on vacation next week uh week and i have some thursdays off uh coming up we can probably um get that going while um we're on the we're still kind of fresh off the undertaker um retirement absolutely sweet um but um 
for those of you guys that are watching, uh, thank you so much uh, for for hopping on. We saw a couple people on tonight. Uh, Tommy, thank you uh, so much for hopping on. And just remember, make sure you subscribe on YouTube, Twitter. Uh, follow us on Twitter. Get all our news and updates there. Uh, iTunes, Google, uh, Spotify, and more. And uh, that pretty much wraps up our show. We are coming in for landing, guys. Uh, thank you so much. And you guys enjoy the rest of your Thanksgiving weekend. <laughs>